0: On my way in today, um, I, I was at another church this morning. That's why I know it's not, the, not morning. And uh, I was a part of a church assessment thing, something that I get to do in, in my role. But on my way in, I got to thinking, you know what? I am that guy. Now, now let me explain to you what, what, because I know that you're all sitting there going, what are you talking about, that guy? I'm that guy. See, I pastored a church for 22 years. Actually, i pastored two different churches for a total of 25 years. And there was always that moment in that time where you just felt like, man, I need a break right? I, I, it's up to here. And, and all of my caring is gone. All of my shepherding is gone. It's just every brain cell is fried. I, I am just done. I'm finished. Or maybe it was vacation or whatever the situation was. And I would find myself in that place where I was pretty desperate. I was going, man, I got to get away. So then I get on the phone and I would usually call like the, the big hitters first. I would call the, the, the A-list. I'd call Dr. Cruz, which I know none of you know who he is, Dr. Ashley or Dr. Randy Adams. And I, I would talk to those guys and ask them, hey, can you come and speak at the church? And, and it's, it's this next week or it's the week after, which I would never give them enough time. And you know, those guys, they, they get booked up like six months in advance. So they'd end up saying, no, Lance, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, we can't be there. And I'd say, oh, okay, all right. So then I'd go to my second tier. Right? Those are like my friends and things like that. I'd go to the second tier and I, I would start to, to ask them, Can you come and preach? I just got to get away. And they say, No, Lance, I'm sorry. So then I'd go to the bottom of the barrel. I mean, to the very bottom, I just like any warm body. I, I was ready. I was I had to get out of there. Any warm body, I'm just trying to pull somebody, and I'm calling up. And those guys are always available. They're never busy, right? So I'd call them up and say, Can you? Can you come speak? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. And then I'd go on vacation. And the whole time I'm on vacation, I'm praying, God, please, please, please don't let them mess things up. I don't want to have to go back and clean anything up. So here's what I want you to know. Right now, your pastor is praying, God, please don't Lance, let, let Lance mess this up. Please, God, please. So I'm that guy, the bottom of the barrel. He was searching, and he, was, he called me his friend. That was really sweet of him. But really, I was just the guy that picked the phone up. Right, So a little bit of information about me. I am Lance Cadell. Again, I work with the Northwest Baptist Convention. I work in the area of evangelism and church health. What that means is that I get the opportunity to, to work with churches and with pastors like your pastor, and I love your pastor. He's a great guy. And, uh, and we, we have the opportunity to, to help them take responsibility for their calling and then also for their community. So their calling, what has God called us to do? And then where is it that God has called us to do it at. so i have the privilege of doing that i'm also married to my lovely wife lisa we've been married for 28 years we have five kids our oldest will be 27 man that is hard for me to even say i just want you getting those words out is just hard but he'll be 27 in november and then uh, our youngest is 19 i think i have a picture here let's see if we got a picture let's see it may come. I don't know. Oh, there, there. That is a, a picture at my son's, my oldest son's wedding. So he's the one there in the middle there. And the, the guy third from the right, you guys may recognize him. That's Jared, my youngest, right? He, he has led worship here a couple of times. So you, you, you know, Jared, we have, a, we have a connection. You didn't even know that, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's awesome because all of the kids, except for Jared, they're all gone from the home. And it's interesting because people will come up to me and say, man, how's it feel? You know, that whole empty nester thing. And I just kind of look at him and say, are you kidding me? I, you got to ask Jared how it is to be an empty nester, because my wife and I kind of decided to turn the tables. We just decided to leave him at home. He's all by himself all the time, which is probably the wrong thing to do, because he's 19, he's got rent free, food free. He's never going to leave us, right? More than likely. So today, today I'm going I'm to talk about the church. Uh, <laughs> this is interesting i I was sitting there and and i remember i remember chad and chad i'm so sorry he he texted or emailed me and he said lance can you preach on unity but he probably doesn't remember he also went one step further and said or something you're passionate about (laughs) and i started out thinking unity and and i actually was looking at john chapter 17 and i was thinking that's where i'm going to go that's the direction i'm going to go And then god began to move on my heart so i want to talk about the church we're going to take a look at a little bit different uh a different well i don't know that it's different but we're going to kind of unpack the church we're going to look at it for three reasons for one because i'm passionate about it i'm passionate about the church i believe that the church when we do this right, listen to what I'm about to tell you. When we do this right, when we, we gather together and we know each other and we love each other and we care for one another and we shepherd one another and, and we support one another, when we do this right, the world, a lost world, stands up and takes notice. As a matter of fact, Jesus at one point said, he said, listen, when you do this right, when you love one another, a lost world will know that you're my disciples. You will become the example of love to a lost world. Just think about that. Means that. The church is pretty important, right? So the first reason I want to do this is because I'm passionate about it. But the second reason I want to do it, that I want to talk about the church, is because, well, I don't know that we fully understand what the church is. I think we get this wrong. Now, I'm not talking about Creekside. I don't know anything about you guys. So really, I'm not pointing fingers at you, but because... I've pastored for 25 years, and because for the last three and a half years, I've had the opportunity to be in church after church after church after church, and because I read Facebook, we don't do this right all the time, right? We we, we don't get this. We have failed to understand what the church really is, what what the position of the church is, and the power of the church. As a matter of fact, in April 2012, Newsweek had a... Uh, it was not even a headline. It was on the, the cover. Some of you may have remembered this. It, it, it was on the cover of Newsweek and it was a hipster Jesus. Anybody remember that 2012? Some of you looking at me going, I was a kid. Anyway, so, so Newsweek 2012, there's a picture of hipster Jesus in downtown New York. And the title, the, the, the thing that it, it, that it said about what the article was, was forget the church, follow Jesus. And when you go in and you read the article, what they, what they do is they kind of go through and they talk about all of the things that Jesus had to say, and all of the things that Jesus believed, and all the things that, that Jesus kind of leaned into, and how it is that the church has forgotten who they're supposed to be. This is Newsweek that's doing this. Now, I don't think we should get our ecclesiology from Newsweek. I, I'll just say, I, I didn't get this message from Newsweek. It came from time. But, but we don't get this right. We have a tendency to begin to think that that the church is just church. Come on, let's be honest. There are times in your life that you kind of thought it's just church, right? I mean, you're sitting there and you're talking to your wife or to to somebody, and they say, What do we got going on this weekend? So, you you know what? We're going to clean out the garage, and then the Smiths are going to come over, and we're going to have that big barbecue. And then, oh, don't forget, Sunday morning, we've got church. And there's something inside of you that wants to say, You know what, honey? I think we're going to be really tired with the Smiths coming over. So let's just skip church, because it's just church, right? Or there have been times that you have been tempted. You were supposed to serve in the church. You were supposed to do something in the church. And there was a really good game on. There was a really good show on. And there was this temptation inside of you to, to, to just email the leader and say, Hey, you know what? Oh, had something come up. Can't make it. I know you can take care of it why because it's just church there's this tendency inside of us to think that because we have really missed the church is so much more than just church right i mean what if the church what what if the church is actually the most powerful unstoppable force in the world what if its purpose is the very purpose of god what if it is the carrier of hope into all the world In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is walking with his disciples. He's in Caesarea Philippi. Now, I don't know if you guys know anything about Caesarea Philippi, but let me explain Caesarea Philippi a little bit to you. It it was the center of multiple religions. Of course, most of Rome was like that. But Caesarea Philippi had a unique thing in that it was the center at one point of Baal worship. It was the center at one point of Pan worship. It was the center at one point, well, at this point, definitely, of emperor worship. All Everywhere that you went, I mean, sometimes we look around and we say, there's a church on every corner, but there were altars on every corner. And depending on who it is and what it is that you wanted to happen in your life, you could just go to those altars and you could pay some sort of, of... homage to that, that God and you can hopefully get what it is that you want to get, right? So here's Jesus and he's with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi and he's walking along and he asks this question. And I know you guys have, have, have heard this story. I, I know this is the tough thing about preaching is that sometimes you, know, you, you show up and you've got such a great pastor and I know he's covered all these things. But listen, listen, he looks at his disciples and he says to them, who do people say that I am? Or who do people say that the son of man is? And they look at him, and they say, and they they, they, they begin to name off things. They say, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. Some people say you're Jeremiah or maybe one of the prophets. And then I love it because right here at Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus looks at them. It's so easy when when Jesus or when anybody asks you a question about what are other people thinking about this. You kind of, oh, well, that's easy. When they look at you and they say, but what do you think? So Jesus looks and says, but what do you say? In verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. I love what Reggie McNeil says. Reggie McNeil says about this passage, he basically, Jesus looks at Peter and says, you cheated on the test. My father gave you the answer, right? I mean, that's basically what he says. He says, you didn't come up with this on your own. My father gave it to you. So who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the long-awaited one. You're the one that that, that we're longing for. Verse 18, and I tell you, Jesus is speaking, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, and and there's all kinds of arguments about this. I'm just going to tell you what I believe. I believe that when he says on this rock, he's talking about on this statement, on this belief, on this, this foundation of the fact that I am the Messiah. I will build my church. This is the first time that this word is used in the New Testament. It's the first time that Jesus uses the word. This is the first time that that the word is attached to Christianity or to Judaism or to any religion at all. This was a very secular term. This was a term, ecclesia, it meant to the called out ones, the ones who were called out of the, 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 the city in order to govern the city, in order to meet together, to make decisions and Jesus grabs this word and he says, you are the Ecclesia and I will build my Ecclesia. And listen to this. He says, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. See, we, we struggle with really understanding what the church is. It's impossible to read this and, 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 and to not walk away feeling like the church is more than we think it is. Or at least it's more than we've made it, Right? Come on, let's at least admit that. I I get it. We're Christians, and many people have been Christians for a long time. Some of you, maybe you're searching and you're still trying to wonder what's going on and, and what is this Christianity stuff. But even you would say, but the church is something important. But we don't always act as if it's important. And then look at the last part of that sentence. He says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Literally what he's saying is that there is nothing on earth. Now hear what I'm about to say because I think this is so important in 2021. There is nothing on earth and there is nothing in hell that can not just defeat the church. Oh, hear that. Please hear me say that. Because I think that today we kind of see the church as being the the, the people who are under attack Hey, oh, the world are coming after us, and oh my goodness, we're gonna get beat up and we're gonna lose all of everything. Oh, it's gonna be terrible. But the reality is that what Jesus says, when he describes the church, he says, I'm gonna build the church, he says that it's gonna be built and it's gonna be something that not just won't be defeated, but it is going to advance. He says, the gates of Hades. Nothing can stand against the church. When we do this right. Nothing can stop it. So the second reason I want to talk about the church is because I think that we have a misunderstanding of what the church is. And then the third reason is a more personal reason. You see, recently in the last two and a half weeks, my wife and I have rediscovered the importance of church in a way that we probably hadn't known before. I mean, we just hadn't had the opportunity to rediscover discover the importance of church. As I told you, I, I've been in this role now for three and a half years and, and I pastored a church in Longview. As a matter of fact, many of you know the pastor who, who came after I did, Mike Freeman. Mike Freeman's been here and he's preached. So he he's the pastor, the new pastor of the church that I pastored. And I was there for 22 years, and and, and for the first year and a half after I left and I was in this role, we stayed there. My family and I stayed there. And we did that because my wife was involved in stuff and my son was involved in stuff, And, and, and I was out of town, so it really didn't matter, right? I mean, it wasn't like I was there getting in the new pastor's way or anything. I was constantly on the move doing different things. So it really wasn't that big a deal. And then about a year and a half into it, about two years ago, I really felt like God was saying, you know what, it's time for you to move. It's time for you and your family to, to go ahead and move on. And it's time to, you know, well, if nothing else, allow Mike and his wife to be pastor and pastor's wife. Not that we were retaining that role, but it's really hard when the pastor stays on. So we said, okay, we're, 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 gonna, we're gonna take off. But unfortunately, that's right when COVID hit. And the world changed, right? I mean, the world changed. And here we are, we're 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 searching for a new church, and then we finally find a new church, and then COVID hits, and everything's online we can't make any relationships. We're not making any connections. And because of what I do and because of the, the length of time that I've done it and because of the friendships like, like Chad and, and, and other people, I can look on, online and I have these relationships. So I've it's, it's, got a connection with people, but my family didn't necessarily have a connection. But even my connection was more superficial than it was anything because I wasn't really ingrained in the church. I wasn't a part of a church family. And then two and a half weeks ago, Those of us that live in the home, my wife, me, and my son, we all got COVID. Now, I had had COVID in early 2020, and and it wasn't a big deal for me at all. It actually, I I was vaccinated. It it was nothing. It it, it was nothing. My wife, however, she got pretty sick, and she wrestled with it. It was difficult. It was hard. But she got through it. My son, my son, it got bad. It got so bad at one point that he was laboring and breathing, and he was a 19-year-old kid, and he was having a difficult time. He had a fever. It was was really tough on a dad. And I called Kaiser, and Kaiser said, oh, man, do you have an oximeter? I said, I've got an oximeter. I went and picked up an oximeter because someone asked me to go do it, so I got one. She said, put it on and tell me what it is. His oxygen levels were down in the low, low 80s. It was 81, actually. I think it even jumped down to 79. She says, you need to get him in. You need to take him in. So I said, okay, so I loaded him up in the car and I drove him down to the emergency room, pulled into the emergency area where you kind of drop people off. And I get out and I take him up to, to the area and walk him in the door. And the lady says, what do you hear? And I said, he's, he's, he's got COVID and, the, and Kaiser told us to come and this, that, and that. she goes, okay, I'll take him back. I said, well, what, what, what? and she says, no, you can't go back. That's so hard on a dad. It's so hard on a mom. I mean, not a mom, but yeah, it, it, it's a parent. You gotta be kidding, I'm letting my kid go. And they take him back, and I go out and I sit in my car out in the, in, in the emergency room uh, parking lot area there, and, and I'm just praying, and I'm, I'm listening to worship music, and I'm, I, 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 I'm, just, I'm trying everything I can to not think about the worst possible thing to happen, right? But yet, for some reason, that's where your mind goes, or maybe yours doesn't, but mine does. It just automatically goes to the worst possible thing. And then I get a phone call, and I look down, and it says St. John's. And I know that that's the hospital. I pick it up and say, yes. And she she says, is this Lance Cadell? Is this Jared's dad? And I said, yes. She says, he's not getting better. And I'm going, what does that mean? Well, he's just not getting better. His his oxygen levels are falling, and we're going to keep him. We're going to admit him. I was frozen. Honestly, I didn't know what to say. I, I, I don't even remember what I said at that point. I hung up, and I knew I needed to call my wife because my wife was expecting me to come back. I mean, we're going to take him down to the emergency room. He was going to get some oxygen. Things were going to be fine. We're going to go back home. He was going to lay down. He was going to get over this. Everything was going to be fine. But it wasn't. So I called her up, and she answers the phone. And the minute I hear her voice, I start crying. I know, I'm a wimp, but just stick with me. And I said, they've admitted him. And she starts crying. And she says, are you coming home? I said, I can't do anything right now. I, I'm frozen, I, I don't know what to do. She said, come home. So I drove home and they called us a little later and they said, we're gonna take him up to the ICU. And he skipped everything, he just went right to the ICU. And then they said, we have to up his his oxygen. He's going from 11 liters to 50 liters. He's going from from 45% to 75%. Then we're going to take him out of this type of oxygen. We're going to put him in this oxygen. And I kept waiting, kept thinking that they're going to say, now we're going to intubate him because I knew that that was a tough, tough place to be. And we were all alone. I mean, we were quarantined. Left with all of our thoughts. And it was silent. Nobody, except from immediate family. I had immediate family. I had my kids calling me and, dad, how's Jared doing? How are things going? What's going on? Have you heard anything new? Have you heard anything new? But nothing from a church. And I looked up at my wife and I said, this sucks going through this without a church family. She says, yeah, it does. Now, part of that's my fault. Part of that's our fault. We could have very easily got on Facebook and we could have very easily said, oh my goodness, Jared's in the hospital and this and this and this. We could have done all of those things. But we had made a commitment early on. And I don't, I don't even want to say it was a commitment because it, honestly, it, wouldn't, it never even entered into our mind. We kind of just said, we're not going to do the Facebook thing anymore. We're going to go back to old school. But old school means that it's really hard to communicate things. And things, people don't know things. If you're part of a church, people know things, Right? Because we tell each other things. And we started getting a few phone calls here and there because it started to seep out. And people began to to talk about what was going on. And people began to call us and say, are you okay? Is everything okay? It was tough going through that without a church family. It's interesting, when the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul was kind of left, I mean, I don't want to say God left him alone because the truth is, is that the Spirit of God was working through the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul was the one who was in charge of unpacking the church, right? He was in charge of unpacking what the church is to look like and is supposed to be. Jesus said, I will build my church, but he never really gave us some details about the church. And the Apostle Paul, he, 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 his job was to give us the details about the church, And it's so interesting because when he's giving us those details about the church, he really has a difficult time describing what the church is. If you look at the letters, he uses all these different metaphors about what the church is. Sometimes he talks about the church being the building of God and that Christ is the foundation or the cornerstone. And each one of us are stones within that building. And that God is the master builder. And sometimes he calls us God's temple. And that our job is to glorify him as we live. Other times he uses agricultural terms and agricultural metaphors, metaphors like field or, or a tree. And sometimes he talks about the fact that the church is the body and Christ is the head. And there are other times that he mixes metaphors, which you're not ever supposed to do that. I was told that in college you should never mix metaphors. But I think that in so many ways, Paul, who probably knew you shouldn't mix them, he was thinking to himself, but that doesn't make sense. So I need to go to the next step. Look at this, for instance, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. And and you need to understand in this particular passage, what he's doing is he's talking about how God wants to take the Gentiles and he wants to take the Jews and he wants to unify them. He wants to bring them together to be one group, one people. And he says this to the gentiles. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens of God's people. Essentially what Paul is saying is when he's talking about the church, he's saying, listen, you're brought in because of what God has done in your heart. You're brought in and you are now a part of this nation with all of God's people. But then I think he stops and he says, wait, 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 wait. It's possible to be a part of a nation but yet not really be a part of one another. So he takes it to the next step. Look at what he does. He says, you're fellow citizens of God's, with God's people, but also members of his household. And the Greek word there is oikos. And it literally means family. You are God's family. Ah. See, if there's a metaphor that I love when it comes to the church of God, it is family. Folks, we are family. That's what the church is. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy, Paul, when he's writing to Timothy and he's, he's, he's laying out all of the ways that, listen, this is the way the church is supposed to go and, 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 and who's supposed to be in charge of what and how things are supposed to do. He says, I write all of these things so that you may know how the people of God should conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church. The church's family. I mean, here's the problem. Here's the here. And I know this because my family, I have a bad, I did not, I did not have a bad family. But it wasn't the type of family that I look at today and I said, that's what I longed for, right? I mean, there were pieces of my family aspects that just were not good. And sometimes when I talk about the fact that the church, what you belong to, what you should belong to, what it is that God has called us to be is a family. There are people that say, whoa, 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 because your family unit is dysfunctional. And you think to yourself, family, I don't want to be a part of a family. But see, just because your situation was bad doesn't mean that that's the way God designed it to be. God wants us to be His family. And the family is to be a place where they love you even if they don't like you. Right? A family is a place where they love you even if they don't like you at that particular moment. It's a place where you belong, no matter where you go, no matter how far you stray, no matter what what you do in life. When you come back home and you walk through the door, you belong there. I get it. I know. Sometimes you say, that's not the way my family is, but that's the way family is. It's a place where you find grace. You screw things up and they look and they say, listen, we understand, but we're here to help. And it's a place where you find support when you're going through difficult times one of my favorite stories about support and family my two oldest kids Josh and Jordan all my kids are jays it's just easy for me that way i didn't have to think about anything they just call them a jay but but Josh and Jordan they both attended george fox university and, and Josh was 2 years ahead so Josh was a junior when Jordan was a freshman at, at george fox and Joshua was going to school for accounting, and Jordan was going to school because she really felt like, you know what, God's called me to be a nurse, and I want to be a nurse, and I love kids, and I love this, and I want to just help people, and I'm going to go to school to be a nurse. And she was in the nursing program, going through this stuff to become a part of the nursing program. And she was taking this one particular class, and it was eating her lunch, which is really difficult. If you know my daughter, she's a type A personality. She never gets anything but an A. This is who she is. I mean, it would kill her to get anything other than A. An A is it. This is it, right? So she's going through this class, and she's not getting an A. As a matter of fact, she's getting real close to failing this class. And the professor comes to her and says, listen, Jordan, I, don't, I just don't know, if, I don't know if this is for you. And see, this is one of those classes, right? This is the dip class. This is the class where it separates. This is the class where they make a decision. You're either going to be a nurse or you're not going to be a nurse. And Jordan said, well, give me another chance. And she tried, and she tried, and she tried. And finally, the professor came to her again and said, listen, you're going to have to, you, you're going to, have to drop this. I just don't think you're going to be a nurse. Folks, that crushed my daughter. Crushed my daughter. She called me up. She was crying. And she like, our dad, I'm so, I'm so sad. She's just crying. And I'm feeling terrible as a dad. And I don't know what to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to her. And it's going to be okay. But I don't know that it's going to be okay. I don't know anything about this situation. I just know that she's going through a difficult time. And I wish I could help her. And while she's talking to me, I'm texting her brother. Josh. Your sister's really going through a difficult time. She got some bad news from her from her nursing program. Could you stop by? And while I'm talking to her, the door knocks. And she goes to the door. And my son is standing there. And she says, Dad, Josh is here. I'm I'm gonna go. And she hung up the phone and she melted into his chest. And she cried and she cried and she cried. And then my son said, you wanna go for a walk? She said, yeah. And they went out and they walked around the campus. They walked for a good 45 minutes to an hour. And then finally they came to the little little um, area along the, the, the hillside there and they, they sat down and she began to kind of dry up and, and, and she began to, they, they, they made some jokes and she began to laugh and things like that. And Josh looked at her and says, are you okay? She said, yeah. And he says, you wanna get some ice cream? She said, yeah. Family supports one another in difficult times. The church is a family. It kind of changes things when all of a sudden you understand that the church, we are a local expression of God's family. Jesus uses the metaphor of family, right? In Matthew chapter 12, as he's teaching, some people come to him and say, hey, 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 Jesus, your, your, your mom... And your brothers, they're out there. They're waiting for you. And Jesus says something so strange in Matthew chapter 12, verse 48. He says, He replied to them, Who is my mother and who is my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother. Here here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brothers and sisters and mother. Essentially, what Jesus is saying is that the church is a family. Now, now don't miss this. I I, I don't want anybody to. You know, kind of feel like, hey, if I attend church, I'm part of the family. I, I, I get that, but really, there's this, this this part. The scripture tells us that that it's 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 in believing what Jesus did on the cross. It's in understanding that we are separated from God because of our sin, and when Jesus came, Jesus came to take our sin. And when we place our trust in Jesus, then He does something in our heart, right? So when Jesus talks about family and he talks about being a part of the family and being a part of the church, he talks about it in such a way that you must be born again. And Paul, when he talks about the church, he talks about it as being adoption. You need to be adopted. So Jesus talks about it being born again. So, so at, at one point in John chapter 3, when Jesus is meeting with Nicodemus, and, 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 and Nicodemus is asking about the kingdom of God and what's going on and how everything is going to happen, and Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And, Jesus, and Nicodemus is confused, and he says, How can a person be born again? That's impossible. And then in verse 5, he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter into the kingdom of heaven unless they are, are born of water, a physical birth. And of spirit, a spiritual birth. He says, flesh, begets, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus says that God has to do something in your heart. And when you invite him into your heart, then you become a part of this family. And then Paul later, I love this. Paul talks about that you become a part of the family by adoption. Look at this in Romans chapter eight, verse 14. He says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to to sonship. And by Him, we cry, Abba, which means Daddy, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our own spirit that we are God's children. Paul says God adopts us through the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting because At this time, when Paul writes this to the church in Rome, Roman law, listen to this, this is incredible. You go look it up. Go go check it out. Don't, Don't believe me that I said it. But Roman law made it possible that you could actually disown your own kids, but you could not disown someone you adopted. Isn't that, that's so cool to me. Not that they could do that, but that's so cool to me that Paul, in writing this, Writes the fact that you are adopted, and all of the understanding in their mind is that when I am adopted, I am secure. That nobody can pull me out of this. It is a secure position to be. It's not dependent upon me. It's through my faith and what Jesus did that makes me a part of the family of God. It's interesting because most Christians believe that Christianity is a belief system. But it's more than that. It's a belong system. There are beliefs that we have that help us in, 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 or make it to where we do belong together. But it's this belong system. And here's the incredible thing, and I think God placed it inside of us. We long to belong, right? Don't you long to belong? I mean, has, has, there have been moments in time, in, 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 in just our conversation, and just the time here, that I have kind of unpacked some of the things There's a part of you that said, oh, man, I want to be like that. I want to have a family like that. I want to be a part of a church like that. Right? We long to belong. That's why all of the highest-rated shows have some sort of family aspect in them. They're either about a family or they're about a group of people who treat one another like family. The truth is that we're looking looking for more than good friends. We're looking for family, a place where they have to love you. Man, that's an interesting statement, right? A place where they have to love you. There's a part of us that says, no, 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 I don't want to be, have to be loved. I just want to be loved for who I am. I had a church member, David Custer. Man, I love that guy. He's a great guy. Just one of those guys that you see him and he smiles and you just, you smile too, right? The minute you see him and he smiles, you go, oh, dude. Dude. And I remember, I'd go up to David and I'd hug him and I'd say, David, I love you. And he'd say, you have to. It would just crush my spirit because I'd think, but but you don't understand. I love you, not because I have to. I just love you. He says, I know, but you have to. Because we're family. So family is a place where, they love, where you, they, they love you because they have to. It's a place where, where, where they're always in your business, even when you hate it but they do it because they love you. It's a place where they tell you the truth, even when you don't want to hear it, but later on you appreciate it. Family is the place where you laugh until you pee a little. It is a place where you find a shoulder to lean on, a place where, where, people cr- where you find people to cry with, a place where you do embarrassing things and you walk away and you don't think to yourself, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. You don't care. Family is a place where questions are welcomed. place where you find support and encouragement, especially when you failed. That's the church. That's God's family. Now, some of you are looking around and you're thinking to yourself, wait a second. This is my family? That is a weird family. All families are weird, but I am convinced that God's family is just a family of Cousin Eddie's. I just really believe that. We're just all just a little bit of sinner. And God loves us. We're family. You say, but Lance, I, that hasn't been my experience in church. And I don't know this church, but I've known people who have been to church and they have things to say about church. And I get that. But just because it hasn't been your experience doesn't mean it's not the way it's supposed to be right just because it's not what you know doesn't mean it's what it's not what it's supposed to be i can remember growing up and 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 like i said in in a a dysfunctional family it was a fairly dysfunctional family and then when i started going to church i started going to church because i i I met a girl and she went to church i thought huh that's kind of cool and then i went to church i followed a girl to church and as i looked around i began to see these other families i started thinking man that's what i want when i grow up see just because my family was dysfunctional didn't mean that the family that I produced had to be dysfunctional. And with God's grace, He helped me, helped us to produce the family that we have. It doesn't have to be messed up. As a matter of fact, I believe that if we make a decision to do it, if we make a decision to say, you know what? I understand that we're a part of the family of God, and the family is supposed to be a place where we love one another, where we care for one another, where, where we support one another, where we tell the truth to one another, where, 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 where we come in and we show grace to one another, and you begin to do that and you show that to other people, then I'm telling you, it will begin to affect the whole church. And then people will begin to do just that. And the church will become the type of family that you want. has got to start with you. It's crazy how many times I used to sit right there in their spot and say, but somebody else needs to do that. No. If you want it, you need to start it. Now, I know, I know, some of you are still stuck on Jared. Because I never told you what happened. Right? You're kind of wondering, what happened to that kid? Some of you are going, I didn't, I forgot about Jared. But this last Wednesday they called me up, He said said that his, his oxygen numbers were coming back up. And they called me up two hours later and they said, You know what? We're, we're lowering his oxygen, oxygen numbers, or his, his oxygen intake. I said, Wow, that's great. And then they said, called me up two hours later and said, You know what? We got him on room, room oxygen and he's doing great. They called me up two hours later and they said, We're sending him home. So he came home Wednesday. And I went and I picked him up, same emergency room pool in that I dropped him off. And he was tired. He hits in the car. And he looks good, but he's wiped out. And we're driving out. And I've got my phone, like most of you have your phone. I got it up on the thing, because you know, GPS and things like that. So I can see if someone texts me and things like that. You shouldn't, don't text and drive. But it's, it's there. <clears throat> and, and, and as we're driving home, I'm noticing that my son is on his phone. And all of a sudden, the text pops up on my phone. And I look over, and it's Jared to our family text. That's kind of our Facebook, right? That's what we do. It's to our family text. He says, hey, everybody, I'm out. When are we going to have a party? Last night we had a party. Eleven people, eleven family members all came over to the house. And we celebrated. We praised God. That's family. The church is family. God's called us to be family. I know I'm supposed to talk about unity. And in some ways, I think I got there, right? Just say yes so that Chad knows that I did what we're supposed to do. Thank you. But the church is family. So here's the way I want to close this up. The band's going to come up here in a second. and, And I'm going to ask you to do something. I don't know what you guys normally do. And I don't know how we're supposed to do things in COVID and things like that. And I may never get asked to come back again. And I understand that. But I'm going to ask you to take one of those connection cards that are just in front of you there, right? Some of you there in the front, you have to have to reach behind you and pull it out. Would you take out one of those connection cards and would you do me a favor? Would you, if, if you would say, and you don't have to do it, as a matter of fact, it would probably be better to not do it if you, if you didn't want to do it because then if you do it and then you don't do it, then it's, well, that's just guilt you don't want to carry around. But I'm going to ask you to do this. Would you just write family on it? And here, here's, here's, what, here's what that means. If by writing family, you are saying, I want to be a part of making my church the type of family that God wants my church to be. And then I'm going to ask you to do this. While the, while, while the band's singing, and I don't, again, I don't know why. They may only sing for five seconds. But while they're singing, would you come forward in the best way that you feel possible to do it with COVID and everything else. And I just want you to lay it on the altar. You don't have to bend down. Just, you can toss it, okay? Just kind of come up here and toss it on. But just that, by doing that, you are saying, God, I want to be that family. And I'm going to do my part. Would you do that for me? So as the band comes, you do that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity for me to be here. God, thank you for your word. I am so overwhelmed. By the the things that I learn about you, about me, about my world, through your word. And God, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're doing in my family. I thank you for what you've done in Jared's life. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing here at this church. God, this church is here for a purpose and a reason. And Lord, when we do this right, ah, the world takes notice. God, I give you this moment. I give you this time. For it's in your precious name. Amen.